Welcome to the Be Still Podcast. I'm your host, Beth, an avid yoga teacher, wellness junkie, diehard organizer, and fearless business leader. This podcast is a place where I'll sit down with everyday people, entrepreneurs, and business owners to talk all things and all questions about health and wellness, Christianity, and small business. I hope you leave here feeling empowered to be your authentic self and share your story with the world. Thanks for showing up and being here. Hey there, friends. Before we jump into today's show, I want to tell you about something super cool that I released this week. If you head on over to bestillhealthandwellness.com and click on the store tab, you will find the word bracelets. If you know what the word bracelets are, I bet you are so excited to have one because I have shipped out so many in the last week to friends who are just dying to get their word bracelet with their word of the year. If you're not quite familiar, head back to episode one where I talk about the word of the year of what that might mean for you. For my word of the year this year, it was commitment. Last year was faith over fear. And every time I've done this, I've created a bracelet. And what that helps me do is wear it every day. And I see it and it just simply reminds me to keep pushing towards my goals, keep aligned with what that word is, and really pursue the passions that the Lord puts on my heart and what I know I'm set to do here in this life. So if that interests you, head on over to bestillhealthandwellness.com. Click on the store tab. Once you purchase an order online, I will get in contact with you so that we can customize it and make it just for you. I'm excited for you to hear Michael today on the podcast talking about the chance to live deeper. He was given that opportunity by a blessing to just be able to change careers going from engineering into financial planning and really pursue his passion partly for his health and also his family. I hope that the resources he gives you and the experience that he went through speaks to you in a way that you can relate and that you can take into your life and begin to live more authentically, more deeper, and have a chance to really pursue those passions that are put on your heart. Have a listen, friends. Thank you so much for being here. And as always, be well. Hey there, friends, and welcome to the Be Still podcast. It is Beth here, and I'm excited to introduce to you Michael, who is with us today. I met Michael for the first time tonight as we're podcasting in person, and we call person now virtual, right? But um, Michael and I connected two weeks ago when I launched my podcast, and I'm going to let him share how we met and um, how his journey led himself to me, and then we're going to dive into his story. I can't wait for you to hear it. So welcome, Michael. It's a pleasure to have you. Hey, Beth. I appreciate you having me on. So we met through your boyfriend, Drew. He mentioned that you were launching a podcast. I checked it out. And when it popped up on Facebook, found it on Spotify. And in your first podcast, you talked about your word of the year. And for me, that was extremely helpful. It was like somebody put the center of the bullseye in front of me and said, what are you shooting for? And so especially this year with my relationship with my wife, my goal of the year was to be a more patient person. And so my word of the year was patience. And, you know, it's so interesting to me to see how different things flow into our lives and to have that podcast at the exact time where it's the new year, you're starting something new and already you've given someone else that sense of direction. And that, that was me. And so I heard it, um, your boyfriend, Drew Krebeck, um, and I worked together and he does a lot of marketing 
for me and I'm actually a financial planner. We can talk more about that later and what I do professionally, but more importantly, you know, meeting through Drew, having this come together. And as soon as I heard the podcast, I asked Drew, you know, is Beth looking for people to share stories? You know, you, you talk about interviewing entrepreneurs and all of these things start to align. And it turns out, hopefully I have a pretty interesting story that I've experienced that hopefully people don't have to experience themselves, but can learn from and use it in their lives. Yeah, that is so awesome. And that's what the Be Still podcast is, friends, is it's here just to share ordinary stories. Um, As I say of ordinary people, right? We all have a journey and we've all been on some path and how we can share that. Uh, Michael and I were just talking, if this speaks to one person, so if that's you, we are so grateful and blessed. And we are so excited that this is going to just speak into your life. So uh, let's start out with Michael and help me with your last name, Swartz. Swartz. Hey, yeah. Swartz. Yeah. I was like, there's a W in there. I got it. Swartz. <laughs> um, so just tell me a little yeah, bit about there's... you um, personally. And as he said, he is a financial planner. So we're going to get there, friends, but we're not going to bore you um, with the financial, I guess, details that most people are probably <laughs> like, okay, turn the podcast off. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. So um, tell me just a little bit about you personally, your family, uh, and then your background. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually have a really starchy American background, right? I grew up in a family with an older brother, an older sister, mom and dad, and it was all very much structured for me. And so whether it was elementary school, middle school, high school, what career even potentially I was going to take, it was interesting. You know, my brother played baseball, basketball, football, my sister, uh, same thing, soccer, softball, and then she ran track and both my brothers and sisters played sports. And so I did too. The path was basically already paved for me. And so what was interesting is as I came into high school, I was my brother's younger brother. And I started to have this identity. I don't want to call it crisis, but there's a little bit of who am I? Am I doing something that I'm expected to do? Or am I doing what I want to do? And so my brother went to play college baseball at a private college. My sister went to the same private college and played collegiate softball. And then they both went to the private college. And here I am, the black sheep. I go to the public college and don't play any sports. My brother, business and finance, my sister, business and finance, me, engineering. And so again, I I, I take the road less traveled and really want to learn something about myself. And college was the first time, as for most of us, it probably was the first opportunity to spread your wings and really start to do that self-exploration, self-identity. And in the meantime, I've been dating my wife for two and a half years. We started dating, um, our junior year of high school. And so my entire freshman year, I have the steady girlfriend. And it, it was so interesting to me to have this foundation of a person who was willing to, to take those steps through the journey with me. And so now fast forward to today, um, she's still now my bride. Um, we've been married now, gosh, 2014. So we just celebrated our seven year wedding anniversary. And we've added the two and a half year old to our family, uh, our boy named Dawson and a seven month old Kenna, our daughter. And so what I skipped over was probably the toughest seven years of my life. After college graduation, everything went pretty well through college because I knew I wanted to be an engineer. Always had a pretty good feel for getting grades and enjoyed what I did, worked out, but there was something missing. My why wasn't there from a personal level. And so once we graduated, Morgan got into grad school to be a physician assistant at UWL. And so once again, the road was paved. We're moving to La Crosse. 
we'll figure our lives out kind of once you're done with grad school. So the first two years I worked as an engineer in training uh, with an engineering degree and the work was without, for lack of a better word, miserable. Um, It was 70 to 90 hour weeks in the summer. It was potentially getting laid off in the winter and it was high anxiety work because we're the last people to find out about the construction schedule. You have to get out to a job site. And if it's two and a half hours away and the work gets done at six, you're not getting home till eight 30. And if the work starts at 7am, you're leaving the house at four 30. And so it ended up really wearing on me physically, emotionally, mentally. And I ended up ultimately getting to a point where I had an anxiety attack and I'm in the emergency room with the EKG and they're trying to figure out what's going on. This is where my life really hit the hardest. And in the meantime, God bless her. Morgan is in grad school taking on the toughest challenge she's ever taken on. So for me to turn to her, just, I I don't want to say it was inappropriate. She would have been there for me in a heartbeat, but I almost had this conviction to take care of it myself. And so I don't want to call it crisis mode. It, it, It wasn't, it was just a challenge that we all face in life. And I'm such a controlling person, not having control made me more anxious. And so we end up struggling through, uh, Morgan got a job at Gunderson where she works in the palliative care department. And for those people who don't know, palliative care is probably the most empathetically demanding position in the healthcare field because they actually go in, interview the patient and establish goals of care and coordinate care for the patient. And so Morgan's at work giving and pouring out of her cup. And when she comes home, I feel like I have to be the person supporting her. And so we, we get to this point where our lives are, are, are really confusing. We, we have our first son and it's even more stressful. And during Morgan's first pregnancy, as we're preparing, um, we, we actually had an opportunity to take a family trip. And I know this is something that you want to talk about. I'm going to pause you. I'm going to yeah. hold you right there, but yeah, hold that story. So I'm going okay. to pause you there too. And just ask what, what helped you? There's the saying of fill your cup up, which you just said right there, right? We can't yep. pour into others until we fill up our own, right? And we can't pour from an empty cup. And so to your point, right? Like Morgan's coming home, her cup is empty. She's just poured it out to amazing people, right? And her work. What were ways that if, if Morgan had or that you had to fill your cup back up or did you not know? I mean, maybe you didn't know then. Maybe you know now. It was a lot of guessing. And that, that's what's so tough is that the how-to books don't work. And I don't know... You know, if you listen to a lot of Brene Brown, but the how-to does not work. And you, you, you almost feel stupid and unsuccessful by trying those things. Like you got to wake up and just, you got to pound the same motivational, inspirational thought into your head every single day. And eventually it works. And what's interesting is it actually does. Um, but more importantly, it won't work if you're not ready for it. And so you need to get yourself to a position of just being ready to listen. And that was really hard for me. And that's the same, as you mentioned, the word of your year, that, that same theme. Um, I think I talked about it in that podcast in the first one was like, when you're ready to receive it, you will receive it. Your word will come to you. You won't search for the word. And that's the same sort of thing is when we stop trying to force it or find it and we just open ourselves up. Like that's one of the best expressions I have in yoga is like heart openers and just being open to receive whatever the universe, whatever your God, whatever your religious beliefs, whatever it is for you. Um, when you open up to receive that your body and mind and soul will receive it so much more easily. 
So I agree, right? Those, those books are great. They're helpful and I could take notes all day long, but if my mind isn't there, it's not happening And the same. I'll even say the same with business. I'm dealing with that kind of in, in the, the business realm that I'm in is change management was where I was. And if I'm trying to offer change, but they're not open to it, you're not going to get it. You won't, you won't receive it. So that's good. Yes. Yes. And so in your second podcast, when you talk, you, you give the teaser about change management, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. I want to hear more about that too. It's so intriguing because change is something that we all desire, but again, I mean, exactly to your point, if we're not ready for it, it doesn't happen. And, and we could be square peg round holing ourselves all day long going, why doesn't this work? Why doesn't it work? Beating our head against a wall, but we have to remember it, it's the basis. It's, it's what are we starting with? What's the foundation and where do we go from here? And something that I've learned, and I, I mean, you could echo this or, you know, redirect it, but I think it really comes down to looking inside and accepting ourselves for who we are. And that's the best foundation we can have for then becoming and growing into the person that we want to be. And that's something that, at least for me, happened very dramatically. And so, yeah, let's talk about that. Because so at this point, at this point in your story, so just to recap with uh, on your journey, right? So we've talked about you've graduated college, your wife has um, gone to grad school, you found the job, right? You're, you're, this is before son one, this is before your first kid. And you guys yes. are off to Hawaii, right? And so yes. this, is this ultimately, um, as like, we're getting ready to dive in, cause it's like suspension time, friends, like just hang <laughs> on to your seat. Um, is this kind of the turning point that you would say in your career? Would Absolutely. Be, I mean, one of, right. Was the anxiety attack prior to this or was it shortly thereafter this? No, it was, it was probably about six months before. And okay. so I'm at a point where I need to make a decision. And so I've been working at this job for about four years. Um, we had moved to lacrosse in 2014 for those who don't know, after you work in an engineering profession for four years, you have the opportunity to sit for the professional engineering exam. And that's really a in or out situation. Am I committing my life to this professional engineering career or not? And so 2018 rolls around, it's January. And as of June, I need to say, am I doing, am, am I doing engineering full-time for the rest of my life? Is this my vocation or not? And lo and behold, my mom, who when I was younger, had had breast cancer, not once, but twice. She had survived it on two separate occasions, had added to her bucket list at that time, a family trip to Hawaii. And so the Swartzes load up, mom and dad, brother and sister from Duluth, us out of Minneapolis. And we end up actually flying independently into Oahu. And we are on Oahu near Honolulu, near the airport, near Pearl Harbor. And all the Swartzes, make it to Hawaii. We're there happy, healthy, the night of January 12th, 2018. And so being that we're from the Midwest and we had flown with the sun, we wake up at 5 a.m. feeling like it's 9 a.m., 10 a.m. because the time zone change. And so what do the tourists do the first day that they're in Hawaii? We go watch the sunrise as a family and with our significant others. And so I brought Morgan, who is six months pregnant at the time. My brother brought his fiance at the time, Amy. And then my sister brought her boyfriend, now fiance, Mike. And so it's mom, dad, Michael, Kristen, Brandon, and all of our significant others all together in one spot. The morning of January 13th, 2018, we watch the sunrise, head back to the hotel for breakfast at about 8 8 a.m. Hawaii time. And I sit down for breakfast. I look over to Morgan and I have her cell phone 
in my pocket because like the good husband I am carried it along the beach after we took pictures of the sunrise. And all of a sudden her phone starts going absolutely berserk in my pocket. And I pull it out to figure out like, what the hell did we just get service? Is she getting a bunch of Snapchats, like Facebook messages, what's going on? And I look down at the phone and in all capital letters, her phone, her phone reads ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. And my blood ran cold and she is standing in the omelet aisle. And I said, we need to go. And she goes, I haven't got my omelet yet. And I said, Morgan. And she looked at her phone and the two words expletive coming were, oh, fuck. We're going to die. So we're staying at this hotel that is two miles from the airport, about five miles from Pearl Harbor. And so the rational brain says, okay, we're at odds with North Korea at this time. This is a very realistic thing. It's very possible. And where would this ballistic missile be heading? Probably the airport in Pearl Harbor, right? So we panic as a group. Other people start pulling their phones out and we walked out into the street and it was chaos. There were people running down the street. There were people screaming in the park. People actually, we found out later, had abandoned their cars on the interstate and went into manholes to find shelter. And so we saw a moving van, like a delivery van outside the front of a hotel. And honest to God, debated going Grand Theft Auto on it and pulling the driver out and trying to go as far as we can. Lord knows that would have been unsuccessful with all these abandoned cars, but it it was something, right? And so I I don't know if you, (laughs) this is where we're at. And as a family. And and yeah. That moment, just that moment to pause. Like I, I always like have to pause, just listen to it. So like when, when he shared that story, like it took me a few days to digest it and actually just get to it and even listening to it again, um, that fight or flight, like that adrenaline, like you said, like Grand Theft Auto, all of the insane things that are not okay to do probably ran through your mind, right? Like everything that is against every law that you would never think of is running through your mind. And so um, to relate that, if someone's listening, right, hopefully you didn't live up to this point and Michael's going to continue sharing a story, but whatever that is to you, right, whatever that is to you, for me, it not quite that dramatic, but for me, it was the breakup of a significant other and that point of like, I'm homeless, for example. That was my point. If you listen to my last podcast, uh, my second podcast, that was, and I talked about that. So so we're at this point, right? So you haven't stolen cars, but you are in, in sheer panic. Um, so finish us off. What, what happens here? Yeah, um, you, you do. You go through the spike of raw motion, the adrenaline runs, and you go, what can I do? And then it's, it's so interesting. In any survival book, in any in any book of intense situations, there's the flood of emotion. And then for some people, there's this rational calm. And those are the survivors. And so I don't know if you've ever read like uh, Deep Survival by Lawrence Gonzalez, but he talks a lot about there's, there's a split, a divergence of people where some people just panic and freak out and end up wandering and doing completely irrational things in an attempt to survive. And then there's other people who sit back and say, well, what can I actually control? And so what we did as a family is agreed to go into the basement of a parking garage, wait for whatever was going to come to come and start making our phone calls. My wife, who's like I've shared with you is six months pregnant with our first child. The only thing she said she thought was, man, we had a good thing going, right? She had just graduated from grad school. We bought our first house. We're starting our family. Not anymore. And so 
who, who can I call, right? My brother is sitting next to me. My sister is on the other side. My mom and dad are crying. Who do I call? And so we called her brother and we said, please take care of the cats. The key to the safe is here. This is our house. We said our goodbyes. And my mom did the same thing. She ended up calling her sister. My brother ended up calling Amy's family. My sister ended up calling Mike's family. And we are sitting together in the basement of this parking garage, kind of having our last conversation. Like, what do we do? This was great. And what was so interesting afterwards was hearing what people were thinking at the time. My mom feels this deep, deep sense of responsibility because this was her bucket list item to, to put us in a container, ship us off and have us killed. And my dad's thinking, I'm the one who planned this trip and scheduled all the dates and coordinated all the flights. We're only here because of me. And it was just so interesting. It, it gave such a sense of perspective to be sitting there thinking, what would I have done differently? And to be, you know, I, I think it might've been 25, 26 at the time. The only thing I would have done differently is I would have changed careers. I would have done something that actually mattered to me and was fulfilling that didn't cause anxiety that, that, that filled my cup. Mm -hmm. And as fate would have it, I got that opportunity. And so for you to say, you know, I went out, I, I did the fasting, I, I did the soul searching and the answer came to me. God bless you that you didn't have to go through something like this. And for anybody who's listening to this, I hope that you never have to experience something this dramatic, but to take collection, to take inventory of what am I doing right in my life and what am I doing wrong? This is, this is the situation I hope people can just empathize with to understand with and say, I don't need to face death to make a change. Agreed to that because we can take inventory any moment of any day, right? Tomorrow, right? We have that, that free um, time to just say, okay, right. If, if I was on my deathbed for lack of better terms, as, as you were in that moment, or so you thought, right. That what would you do? Right. So obviously the story ends that he, that the, that everyone is fine. Cause Michael is here, but um, we're going <laughs> to pop into that in a second too. Cause it's like, well, we kind of left them there that you guys are saying your goodbyes, but um, but to your point is, if you're in that moment, like ask yourself, what would I do differently? Am I pursuing my passion? You know, what, what drives me? What am I doing that I absolutely hate? And then change it. You have that choice every single day to change it. And so take that inventory. So where do we go? Finish this off here in Hawaii. We end up in the basement of that parking garage for about a half hour. And 38 minutes later, the text message comes through at 8.45. So the original text message came through at 8.07. The second one came through at 8.45. There's no missile threat or danger to the state of Hawaii. Repeat false alarm. What do you do at that point? You're, you're given the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, so to speak. <laughs> you're, you're given the second lease on life, right? Yeah. You walk out of the basement of a parking garage into the beautiful tropical sunlight of Hawaii, but it's no longer like the sexy Miami Vice man, we're going to Hawaii and we're celebrating it. It's this beautiful God's gift to the planet. Yeah. And the perspective shifts and from, from the panic of walking in to the calm and beauty acceptance coming out, it was remarkable. It, it really was. I, I've never, ever had such dramatic shift in such a short amount of time. And so with this intense pressure, I think came a diamond. And so as a family, we end up having probably the best trip we've ever had because we've let everything else go for seven days. We spent on that Island, nothing else mattered. Mm -hmm. And what, what a weird gift <laughs> to be given. Mm -hmm. 
but that, that it, it truly was one of, it, it was a life-changing experience. And, what and so think about living each day like that too, Michael, right? Like thinking about every single day as like such a gift that you get, no matter what, that's that taking it for granted kind of thought. It is. And in today's world with the cell phone that sits in our pocket, I, I can't blame a single person for struggling with that myself included. It's such an easy distraction to pull out the phone and click on the big Facebook, to click on the big Instagram, to click on the Snapchat and see who's, who's snapping me, who's, who's tagged me, who's liked, who's posted recently. Show me all this filtered world and get distracted from the reality that we're, we're, we're trying to also be engaged in. But, you know, as Brene Brown puts it, we're numbing. We, we take the endorphin dump or the, you know, the, the quick distraction from what we could truly be participating in, which is the struggle. This life is not beautiful all the time, but it can be with the right understanding of how we interpret the world. And so I couldn't not learn from that moment. And I, I, for that, I'm grateful because it literally slaps, it slaps you stupid and says, stop doing what you're doing. It doesn't work. And so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very curious person. Um, I'm a bookworm and it was so fun to come back and start saying, what are the books I've read so far that I've really taken with me? And one of them was Stumbling on Happiness by Daniel Gilbert. And in one of the, in one of the pages, he talks about the, the, the blind eyes or the blind spot of the eye. And so on the page, if you focus on one part and pull the book away from yourself, a second image on the page will actually disappear because where the nerve endings sit in your eye, you have a blind spot, but your brain naturally fills it in. And that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is that he proceeds to share that no matter how much you know that it's happening, the trick works every time. And so he then proceeds to say the exact same thing works with positive affirmation, with looking for happiness in life, with pursuing and shaping your lens so that you can actually let the good in and filter the bad out and not in the, not in a denial. It's a healthy relationship with reality where you're able to appreciate the little things in life. So that was the first book I read when I got back and it reminded me, this is the life I'm trying to shape. Yeah. Who is the author again on that one? Stumbling on happiness. Daniel Gilbert. Daniel Gilbert. I'll definitely be putting that one on my um, reading list for sure. But to your point, positive affirmations. I would like to say that I am a yogi, so um, I do them all the time, but I don't. I'm a human. For those that don't know positive affirmations, right? Simple ones are I am fearless, I am lovable, I am courageous, you know, very simplistic. And then seeking out, to your point, that goodness and letting the bad. So the bad will always be there, friends. Like, this is where I struggle is like, just because we say that we may shift our mindset to see the good doesn't mean that like our lives are like, happy unicorns and rainbows, because that's not the case, but the bad or the the struggles that we go through, we're able to shift that mindset. It's a true mindset shift in our brains that we can rewire in order to come out stronger and more resilient. So we, we experience them, but with the good or with the mantras or with our practice or whatever it is that we've been able to rewire in our bodies, we're able to move through that. And that's that's remarkable. I'm going to check out his book for that happiness. And so how did that change your perspective when you got back then? It forced me or helped me have the confidence to quit my job in engineering. So this thing that had been adding so much negativity to my life, it gave me the strength to say, this, isn't, this is no longer what I want to do with my life. And so I did the inventory. 
what am I good at? And so in engineering, it's mathematics. And I, I tend to have a pretty decent time meeting new people. And so took a look at it and financial planning was something that the math, the math can always be learned. The technical side can always be learned, but I, I do have a knack for finances and numbers. And so to be able to give that back, mm-hmm. that's really where the, the landing spot came was financial planning is something that I want to do because there are so many people, they don't teach this in school. If you want to get me on a soapbox, get me started on that. Why they don't teach step one, filing taxes, balancing a checkbook, who does that anymore, right? But even checking statements on your credit card to make sure that the charges are legitimate. I mean, they don't teach this to people and it's such a disservice that now we have, I mean, COVID was obviously a pretty large stressor, but we have an economy that's built on cash flow. And as soon as that cash flow stops, we see this massive, massive correction in, in the stock market because people don't know what's going to happen. Nobody has an emergency fund. Nobody has short-term investments that they could pull from if they needed to. And so it's, it's, it's so bizarre to me. People need this help. And not only that, but the baby boomer generation, the retirees are some of the wealthiest generation to re- be retiring without proper guidance. They've done one thing their entire lives. They've accumulated. As we talked about, mindset, mindset shifts are tough. And so as retirees are going from, hey, I've accumulated all this wealth to this wealth needs to now support me and be my source of income, people simply need help. They're going to need help designing that. And so I'd like to be the person who can jump in front of the old life insurance salespeople, jump in front of the commission-based advisors and put the distinction in between you know, what a financial advisor is and what a financial planner is. I, I had several conversations with people who had interned at different insurance companies, different um, financial planning companies, and it made all the sense in the world. So how soon from when you got back? So it was January 18. Um, yep. and, and I have to share this. We talked about this before. I don't think we shared it yet is that Michael and I were chatting back and forth, messaging back and forth. So um, when we're filming this, it's the end of January. By the time it released, it'll be a couple of weeks after, but we're chatting back and forth. And it was three years to the day that um, his uh, his uh, event in Hawaii. So January 13th, right? Is that January 13th? Yeah. 2018. Yep. So how soon after when you returned from your trip from Hawaii, did you hang up the 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 coat in the engineering world and say, all right, here we go. And did you, and I should say too, did you side hustle it or did you jump right in to your new financial planning business? It it was a bit of a parlay for anyone who gets started in the financial planning um, world. You do a bit of reaching out. You know, if, if I were to make the switch, would you consider working with me and almost testing the market? Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got back, I made the decision to quit my job. We got back probably January by the end of January, I knew for a fact I would not be working at my job much longer. With my wife being six months pregnant, I also had to make sure that we had the emergency fund to get through her being off of work for 12 weeks and me potentially quitting my job. And so plug for Roth IRAs, you can always take your basis out. And so we had maxed out our Roth IRAs the first two years she was working. And so $6,000 for two years each, we actually ended up taking our basis out. We took $24,000 out of our Roth IRAs from two years of contributions for both of us, put them in our bank account. And as soon as Dawson was born, I made the decision to quit. And so we give birth at Gunderson in La Crosse. I take two weeks off for FMLA to be with my wife and family and our newborn son. And on the Monday I returned to work, I put in my two week notice. I ended up using up my vacation time um, and putting in my two weeks. And so I did end up overlapping a little bit. It was probably three to four months. And so then our son was born on June 3rd and 
by June 18th, I was starting my career as a financial planner. It was under half a year that the realization came, studied to pass um, the series 663 and 65 um, so that we, I could be a fee-based planner. It was a couple extra exams, a couple insurance exams, and boom, all licensed up, ready to start the financial planning practice. It's really interesting that you came, was there any other career that you thought of besides um financial planner like as you were doing inventory or did that just kind of rise to the top as you were doing inventory? Absolutely not. And that's, that's what's so bizarre to me is, you know, I, I talked to my wife about it. I said, what are you good at? And it, it was people and people in math. And so it wasn't even that it was money. It was people in math. And yeah. so where's the largest benefit? And for me, it was, I'm an engineer. I think I'm pretty good at this, but nobody's taught me anything. And so how many more people need this type of help? And that was, it, it just like at, for every angle that you looked at it, it was a no brainer. And that, yeah, that's a great question. Cause I, I don't know why I didn't look at anything else. Um, maybe I'm not as much of a black sheep as I thought I was. Um, my brother and sister both went to college for finances. My mom and dad both worked in private client services and professional lending at banks. And so here I am, this apple that really doesn't end up falling as far from the tree as I <laughs> I thought I would. It's interesting though too, Michael, because I feel like sometimes in our younger years of college, it's like, we don't want to do any, like, even if we maybe we're good at it, we don't want to do anything that our older siblings did. I'm one of four and I'm the third one. Um, and we actually all went in entirely different, but my older sister did the same thing. Like went to pharmacy school, wanted to be a pharmacist. Like she knew exactly what she wanted to be. My brother, like super easy in college. I don't know what he wanted to be or what do, but he just had good grades. But then there's me. I changed degrees every semester I seemed like I traveled abroad twice I was like five and a half to six years in and then I get out and I don't even use my degree I go into like insurance right so yeah and my younger sister same way she wanted to be a hairstylist and went was a hairstylist so um yeah it's really interesting how that sometimes comes full circle that you come back to what maybe your family or what you were known known as you grew up to well I can I ask you a question I yeah. mean Absolutely. Can, the, can the interviewer become the interviewee? Yeah, do, do you, let's do it. Do you There's regret? no rules. There's no rules. <laughs> Black sheep, let's go. Um, I'm all in. <laughs> so do you regret that? I mean, do you look back at your life and, and regret anything about that path? I don't. I would maybe say in my younger years, I, I did. I There are times, so I think about that in the fitness realm. I, I If I had to say I regret, I regret ending and taking whatever the eight years or so off that I did. But then again, I look back and I say, I don't regret it because it let me step away. It let me heal my body. It let me learn my body. And it let me be able to take that experience and teach other people about their bodies, both physically, mentally, spiritually, et cetera. From the business side, I think so. And interestingly enough, I guess I've never even thought about this. I haven't shared it. I went to college first year for PT, physical therapy, and I quit after two months and then quit, but I continued that semester, but I decided in two months that like, I wasn't going to do physical therapy because I didn't want to do, I didn't want to work hard at anatomy. Talk to my 18 year old self. Now I'm studying anatomy <laughs> almost weekly with yoga and fitness. So, um, so I regret, so it, life would have been maybe easier. It maybe would have been a little bit more, um, a straight line, but at the same time, I think that's what's unique about my experience and my gift to others is I have such a broad, diverse background. Um, so I can talk corporate world and talk change management, project management, um, owning a small business. I can talk fitness, health, wellness, 
um, spirituality. Like there's so many different realms that I've been in. And so for that reason, I don't regret it, but it would have been a lot easier. Let me tell you <laughs> studying every single day for anatomy. If I would have kept with it, because doesn't your brain also like retain as you're younger, even if I was 18. So it's a little hard oh, yeah. to understand the insertion points of muscles and fibers and tendons. I'm happy. I'm happy to hear it. And it's, it's interesting. There's the caveat in there. Of like, if I go back and do it differently, I might, but I don't regret a bit. Yeah. And I think, I think there's probably a billion people in this world that share that exact same sentiment. Yeah. Do you, did you ever hear the song uh, sunscreen? Everybody's free to wear sunscreen by Baz Luhrmann. No. Not oh my gosh. It was on like one of the original now CDs. Okay. It oh. was like now one. Now one. I think it might've been, it was before now five, but it's a, it's a really cool message. And one of the points, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quote it perfectly, but it's one that I go back to probably about every six months and revisit. And one of the lines that he says was, "Don't be afraid if you don't know what you want to do with your life." Some of the most interesting people I know at 22 didn't know what they wanted to do with their life, and some of the most interesting 40 year olds I know still don't. And that's a message that stuck with me. It's like, don't box yourself into a corner, don't paint yourself into this lane, and then just stick to it because you've made a decision to. It's never too late to take that inventory. And even as financial planners, I think something that we really do for our clients is we sit down with them and say, the responsible things to do are build the emergency fund, fund your tax favored retirement accounts. But once you've done the responsible stuff, if your household has discretionary income, what are you doing with it? And there's always this pause. And the spouse kind of cautiously looks at the other one and nobody has that conversation. It's like, it's kind of like asking somebody like, what really matters to you? And somebody goes, what kind of question is that? And I don't know if it's the education system here in America. That's a, we're going to teach you and you're going to regurgitate it to us, but there's something missing there. The idea of your podcast and, and coming back for full circle is I, I truly believe that in that crisis moment in Hawaii, you know, the 38 minutes we spent down there, I was given the freedom to be still. And, and I think people need to do that for themselves. And it's not easy. It is not easy. When I got back, I made a commitment to myself to start practicing meditation because I understood that if you create a pliable and flexible mind, you can reshape it. But it is a 10,000 step journey that starts with one step. I remember the first time I meditated, I maybe got to eight minutes and it was full of, that's an interesting thought. That's an interesting thought. What am I doing right now? Where am I going with? What is going on? I'm just, my brain is just thinking a lot of thoughts and now I'm aware of them. Yeah. That was the first but, thing with Drew. Ask Drew sometimes the first time doing <laughs> yoga. And we didn't meditate really, but first time doing yoga, oh my goodness. He thought the same thing. And it's hard. <laughs> yoga physically as a physical practice is challenging, but it is more intense on the mind, on the mental aspect of it. Now you can tune out, I guess, if you want to say tune out your mind as you're in your physical practice. But if you really dive into those different limbs of yoga and all the practices of it, that meditation piece by hard, one of the most toughest to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, do you watch Parks and Rec? I, I used to, I honestly you know, have not, I don't, I don't turn on the TV much anymore. <laughs> I don't have children. I, I still don't know if I have time to do everything <laughs> in a day. So I don't know what it would be like if I ever had children, but um, I used to watch <laughs> Okay. I used to too. <laughs> and since, you know, since having kids two and a half years now, um, haven't for a while, but 
Ron Swanson is this stoic character. He's hard, he's true, but he's very pure to himself, right? Everyone knows who Ron is. He is he is like a bowling alley with the bumpers up. If the ball goes up, if it's going to go into the gutter, it bounces right back to the center of the lane. And at one point, um, Chris Trager, the character, I can't remember the gentleman who plays him, but they go actually to a meditation session. And Chris says, you know, okay, Ron, we're going to be here for 15 minutes. We're just going to, we're going to think. We're going to shut our minds off. We're just going to be. And Ron literally just sits there stoic for 15 minutes. And Chris is like type a ping pong ball in a room full of mousetraps, right? He hits something, he shoots in some other direction, hits it. And he's like, how did you do that? And he's like, Ron, Ron replies to him something effective. Like I just sat there and didn't think. And for some people that's so easy, right? For some people. And I really believe it's the people who know themselves the best, the people who aren't distracted by these thoughts that their brain is creating to keep them off of the real issues that are affecting them. It's a natural tendency to find a way to distract ourselves from dealing with the deeper issues, but acknowledging those thoughts is step number one and being still, I I know I can talk being still, like you said in your podcast, creating a a center, a focal point for your year, having that word, having that grounding and participating in things like yoga, meditation that allow your mind to slow down and find what really matters to people or to yourself, life will continue to give you the gifts to fill those cups up if you're in a position to know what those things are. Yeah. And the other thing too, with that is when you allow space, like anything, if you have a box or a room or anything, if you give it space, it can then be filled up with more stuff. So the moment that we give our bodies space to digest thoughts, to reevaluate, and even in the physical form, the muscles, when we lengthen muscles and when we open up hearts and, and tissues and stuff like that, we allow it to grow stronger. We allow it to be more amiable, like all of those things. So the moment that we can give it space, and that's what I explain to people is it's the stillness and creating space. Um, but in order to create space, you got to get still and you got to find that time, even a few minutes a day, the best tip, the best tip I'll give. I don't know. You can give one tip. I'll give one tip too. The best tip I give to people when they say I can't meditate is I say, go to the bathroom, sit on the toilet. And I always do. I close my eyes. You guys are on a video on the podcast here, but I close my eyes and I put my hands like over my eyes and I just take a big old breath. And that might be two breaths, might be three breaths, but like, that's my meditation enough to allow the heart rate to calm down, allow the blood pressure to come down. And that's meditation. Like it doesn't have to be this like yogic, put the big, uh, the thumb and the middle finger together and like (laughs) raise them up to the sky. Like that's all really great. And the pictures look fabulous, but like meditation can just be that too. Any tips that you have for meditation? What's your favorite, like easy meditation tip? Can I, can I do two and you can pick one (laughs) or both? Okay. So two things that I share with people, number one, not everybody is LeBron James, but a lot of people play basketball. I think we all like you, you, that triggered it right there. When you said it's the finger and the thumb and the humming, these, those are the monks that do it 24 seven. That's not us here in America, nor should it be in my opinion, if we want to participate in the collective reality that we've created here. And so here in America, there are rewards for working hard and having a sense of purpose. And if you truly want that freedom, whether it's financial, spiritual, emotional, you do need to participate in the collective reality. And so one thing that concerns me is all these people that I see 
who are posting things on social media that they have it all figured out that they're doing consulting, but in a grander scheme, maybe they might be emotionally successful, but very unsuccessful or very unfulfilled in other parts of their lives. And I really think people need to stay well-rounded because there's other people that depend on you. And for me, that's my family. That's my clients. That's the people who need me to be very good at a lot of things where sure I could get to know myself more intimately than ever before, but is that really the best use of my time? And so to, to back to the point, you know, not everybody needs to be LeBron James when it comes to meditating and spend every single waking moment practicing basketball. Right. And so you don't need to be a professional at this, but if you enjoy it, if it's something that's helpful for you, if it's something as simple as starting to take yoga classes, I mean, I started with YouTube videos at 6am and I'll be honest with you. I hated them the first time I did it. I was like, I could be sleeping right now. And I'm out here stretching my hamstring. Same with Drew. Same with Drew. Six a.m. So he's with me. He's up. He's like, I, hate I love you, and I hate this. And I was like, You love yoga too. Don't, don't deny it. Give it a fair chance. Give it a fair chance, but but be happy with the progress you're making, right? And so, even if you go to, you know, I'm a I'm a big sports guy. I did enjoy the sports that I played. And so, even if you're not going to be LeBron James or professional at it spending time around those type of people who can show you where you can get to will be inspiring. Even if it's an hour a week, even if it's 15 minutes of car ride, car rides might be the most valuable time that you can spend because even at a stoplight, you can tense muscles and relax. And I'll put in a shameless plug even for, you know, seeking professional help. There are people who are psychologists and psychiatrists who you can pay money to, who know how to help you get started. I, I, I saw, so I saw one shortly after the panic attack and I said, I'm a perfectionist. If 99 things are going right, I'm focused on the one thing going wrong. What needs to be changed? And she didn't say, here's what you need to change. She said, here's some things you could try. Mm -hmm. Just start trying. Do not go step foot on the court. Do not go to your first yoga session and expect to be able to bend over and put your stomach on your knees, but try something and see how it feels. (laughs) And the second thing, that I wrote down today. Um, my wife's a huge Disney movie nut, loves them. Top one, Lion King. And Mufasa says it perfectly. He says to Simba, look inside yourself. You are much more than what you have become. I like that one, but I'm also becoming a Disney nut. But that one is connecting <laughs> with me today is I actually just did a meditation or a, a video on Sunday about um, all that you have, all that you need is inside of you. And so searching um, externally or searching for somewhere else, all that you need is inside of you. And that was a mantra, uh, a mantra chant that I had shared with the, the Facebook community. So here's my plug is go check out be still health and wellness.com. There will be Wednesday night meditation classes. You guys can give it a go. Join me there. Um, I will be adding some more. You can also just find all my videos, um, on the channel too. So if you're wanting to try, as Michael was saying, I did not pay him for that plug to talk about meditation and yoga, but if you want to give it a try, go check out the website and join me for some classes sometimes. Cause I'd love to have you there. So All right. Where are we at? Are we, oh my goodness, we should probably wrap up here um, with your story. So last, I'm going to do rapid fire, but before I do a couple rapid fire questions, just to let everyone know you a little bit, did we, we made it through Hawaii. I just want to be sure there's nothing else in your story that you feel the listeners could definitely glean from and have some insight to. Do we miss anything? Are we pretty good? No, I think as, you know, as far as that story goes, um, 
there was a small change in financial planning where we actually moved broker dealers right before COVID hit. Um, every one of the households that we were working with came with us um, to now a completely independent platform. We're backed by an investment firm rather than an insurance firm. And that has just led us one step closer to being, uh, we answer to nobody but the clients. And that's, that's really the only other major changes. Don't be afraid to make big changes. Don't be afraid to make little changes either. Um, and if you haven't, um, I, I, would, I would throw this one out if I was making one recommendation for a book, um, especially to female listeners. I'm listening to it right now, but it was written by, uh, I believe, a psychologist or PhD, either PsyD or PhD in psychology, but it's by Emily Nagoski. It's called Burnout. Mm. And she tells the exact same story about looking inside yourself and about Disney characters where every single princess in the Disney movies has this internal calling and has to reject all outside influence to pursue that and become the person that they end up eventually becoming. And so the only way you're going to do that, and, and this was the biggest takeaway from the book, the only way that you're going to be able to do that is to listen, to be still and to listen. And yeah. so you don't need a missile text <laughs> to, <laughs> to be still. You don't need something that dramatic. Just start, just try and, and do what feels good and you'll get to know yourself. And it feels, it feels amazing. The journey of um, finding inner beauty. Um, I'm hoping to bring on a girlfriend, Joanne, who has done a lot of work in inner healing. And so talking to you makes me, I'm probably going to go message her tonight and be like, girl, get on this podcast. We need you to talk about inner healing because she does a lot of work with that too. So, all right, you ready? Rapid fire questions. Ready. Let's hear something about you. Something others get wrong about you. Anybody who's known me from my past night, they, they think I'm a huge jock and I actually hate that stigma of being the bro with the hair gel. Um, I'm a pretty sensitive guy. <laughs> um, what's one thing you're excited about right now? Uh, watching my family grow up, no doubt. Raising children. Yeah. And what is one stereotype or myth about financial planners that others um, tend to share that we should probably let go? You can't trust any of them. Uh, I, I would say there's a select few that really do a good job for looking out for the client's best interest. I would, uh, I would agree with that. And to be fair, I did not go to, I don't even know how I ended up at um, my financial planner. Not that crazy of a story, but people say to me right away, I'm like, go find a financial planner. They're like, no, no, they just steal your money. They're terrible. Nope. Myth. Don't believe it. <laughs> I yeah, but be wary. Um, be selective and ask a lot of questions. If if your financial planner isn't asking you a lot of questions and make sure that they know what you want to achieve, um, watch out for the sales presentation. That's a good one. We'll save that one for another day, friends. Like we'll go dive deep into like financial planning. Maybe if that um, is something that interests you, but we won't bore you with that stuff tonight. So. <laughs> Um, to wrap up, Michael, where can others find you or, um, whether it be on the socials or website, where can they find you to just learn more about you, more about financial planning, all the good stuff. Yeah. If, if there's anybody out there, um, I think Facebook friend requests would be awesome. I am just Michael T Swartz. Um, and if you're wondering, my wife does all the posting, but she tags me in them. Um, so you can see pictures of our kids and get to know who I am outside of life. It's either pictures of deer, fish, or our children. Um, 
but that's, that's an easy one. And then if they do have any interest in the financial planning side of things, um, have any interest in this type of perspective, um, helping you with finances, uh, swartzfp.com. So that's S-W-A-R-T-Z-F-P.com. Yeah, I'll post that also in the show notes, friends. So you can go there and find them, um, find them all in the show notes, how to find Michael on Facebook and then on his website too. So with that, we should call it a night. We'll wrap up here. Um, I just, I hope what Michael and I hope is that if you're listening to this story, I hope that it speaks to you in a way that you can take a leap of faith, that you can take an inventory of what's going well, what's not going well, um, maybe where your heart's leading you and then, and then take action on it. And if you're struggling with that, reach out, be still health and wellness.com, be still back on Instagram, reach out to me on Facebook, um, be still health and wellness there, reach out to Michael. Like either of us would love to just chat with you and share some insight. I'm speaking for you, Michael. I hope that's okay. But I think, um, we would just love to just hear how we can encourage you to do that. Um, because you're not alone. Um, and it shouldn't feel like you are alone because you're not. I couldn't agree more. If you know what, if I had the time machine and I could go back and change one thing, I would find somebody who has gone through this process to help me clear the head trash. I would have, I would have wished somebody like you or, you know, without without speaking too highly myself, somebody like me who's gone through that struggle and, and kind of come out a little bit on the other side and by no means has it all figured out, but somebody who could sit there and say, yeah, yeah, I know exactly where you're at. And if, if you're ready to get started, I can show you where the first step is to take. If I could sign off with a quote, I'm, I'm big into books. And one of the, the big other one here is it's called Give and Take by Adam Grant. And one of, the, one of the biggest lines in there that I've found value in is by a, oh gosh, I'm, I'm lost on what his title is, but uh, he's an investor in new businesses. And the quote is, above all else, I want to demonstrate that success does not have to come at someone else's expense. So true. That's a great quote to end with. If we can, if we can give back to one person, if this, if this podcast helps just one individual see a little bit of hope in that dark, dark tunnel that we all find ourselves in from time to time. Um, Beth, you're, you're doing amazing work. I mean, I appreciate you giving the platform to share the story, but more importantly, the people that listen to this and, and see some value in it. I thank you for doing what you do. Uh, thanks, Michael. I appreciate you being on here and everyone for joining us. So again, check out the show notes. You can find Michael and um, you can find all of my handles there for social as well too. So hit subscribe, like the podcast and until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks friends.